getting there. We're inching towards the weekend. Happy Wednesday, the last day of January, which is hard to believe. Heidi Glaus here with Josh Gilbert and Connor over on the board. And we've got a uh, pretty packed show. Let me just give you the rundown. we got uh, Dr. Ravi Johar, as we always do on Wednesday. And we're going to talk about something that might affect you or someone in your family. I'm talking about migraines. Do we even know what causes them? I have seen coworkers in the past just ball up, be in a floor in a dark room for hours. I mean, it really is and can be debilitating. But are there things that can prevent them? Is there something we can do to ease that pain? We'll get some tips from Dr. Johar. We'll also check in with a Washington Post reporter Uh, He covers Homeland Security, and we're not in a border state, but, you know, migrants coming over affects all of us. So what does closing the border really mean, and what do we need to know about the border, other than just the, you know, what everybody is spewing uh, online? The bill that is in the Senate right now and uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson says it's dead on arrival Mm -hmm. uh, before he even sees it, says that it would give President Biden the power to shut the border down. So does that mean that, you know, what about all the traffic that comes over from international trade? Right. You know, what about all those avocados from Mexico? Mm. Which, by the way. Super Bowl commercials. Yep. Have you seen any yet? Are they? Putting I have, and I'm trying not to actually. Yes. But Avoid them. Uh, I do have a, a couple of things in the entertainment report coming up in uh, the five o'clock hour about a few that have been leaked that I'll share, and it's just really the the gist of what the commercial is about. In the four o'clock, Lauren is uh, tied up today. We'll talk to her right hand man, Adam Bundren. You, it's kind of crazy. Spring will be here before you know it, and there are several things that we can do to our house, whether you plan on selling or not, just to add a little curb appeal. So we'll talk to Adam about that. We'll also, I don't know if you guys have noticed, I never subscribed to Sports Illustrated, but I would grab it if there was something on the cover that I liked. But I feel like it was always, you know, on the coffee table of a friend's house or in the dentist's office seems to be disappearing, and there have been these mass layoffs, but we'll talk to uh, a reporter about what has happened to Sports Illustrated. I have a copy of I, it was 2007. Connor, help me out here. Uh, it's Chase Daniel on the cover of Sports ah. Illustrated, and it says, who? Mizzou, that's who, because it was the first time. Is that it I framed? Think- it's not framed yet. Oh, it needs it's, to be. Yet. Yeah, in a box with all these okay, other magazines. Okay. And I believe it was when Mizzou hit uh, number one for the first time. That's pretty cool. And now, was, that's something yeah. you can hang on to. They I'm were, not going to chastise you for that. They were number one for all but a week, Yeah, I think. Hey, hang on to that one. You know, I was kind of going back in time and reminiscing as well. And I wanted to start with this because uh, we lost a true trailblazer, a woman who was super creative and funny, and I'm talking about Mrs. Jean Carnahan, Missouri's first female U.S. senator. And I 
No, you guys know. I mean, I mostly covered the happy stuff in all of my time doing TV and radio. But you might not realize is that uh, Mrs. Carnahan actually had a food blog website for several years, Good Food St. Louis. She actually started it in 2014, and I went to what was then Za Pizza, and we chatted about her passions. I mean, she's authored so many books and her love of food, and she was sharing recipes, and uh, we were back in the kitchen, and we were tasting certain things. But what I remember most about this woman who has accomplished so much and suffered so much loss. I mean, if you think about, you know, losing her son and husband in that horrific crash and then, you know, for her to bounce back and then take over that post, I mean, just truly a remarkable woman. But she seemed genuinely interested in me, in our conversation when we were chatting about food and where did I grow up, and all of a sudden she dropped names of people I knew from New Madrid, and it was just such an enjoyable time. So I went back and I was trying to find, that was 2017 when I got a chance to chat with her, and I just shared something on Instagram and Facebook, but uh, just how special of a lady she was, and uh, kind of the subtitle of her website, Eat Well, Travel Far, Laugh Often, and I think that's something that we should all remember on this day. We were lucky enough that when I was working with Carney, we got her to come on a couple times and talk about the food. You know, her and Carney talking food. Yeah. I mean, that would go on for hours. Uh, but she was always so gracious, um, and it just makes me think. when I, I didn't realize it last night. I heard it on... KTRS News this morning, Rose had mentioned it, and while I was listening to McGraw, and I was like, oh, no, you know, because she said that there was going to be like some sort of uh, uh, remembrance or something, and I was like, for Gene Carney, what, what? and then, you know, put two and two together, but. 90 years old. I know, I know. Could you, could you do that? If your husband or your wife or your spouse was a politician, Mm -hmm. And something tragic happened. Would you step in? That was a full six-year term. He got voted into office after he passed away. And the governor at the time appointed her to take the seat. Yeah. Could you do – would you do that? Or would you say, you know, that was really his game? Well, I think if you are the spouse of a politician, you're living it day in and day out. And you know more. Yeah. Than the rest of us, and I think you probably know what his or her intentions would be, and who best to carry out his beliefs than her, as far as that goes. Do I think that I, you know, could step in? I know I couldn't step in and do uh, my wife's job right now. I don't even know right. what she does half the time. <laughs> yeah. So she tried to explain it and, to me, and I was yeah. Lost. So probably not. But um, I was actually thinking and. Here at the Big 550 KTRS, all of the people that are on the air, Mm -hmm. I was thinking if one of us actually ran for office, who would we trust more than anyone? And I realized there is one person on air that I would actually trust to do the work. 
be diligent enough to show up every day and read the bills and vote on the things and do the right stuff. Farmer Dave? No. (laughs) He'd give out so many farm subsidies. Jennifer Blum is Mm. the only one because I know that I can't do it. Too many skeletons. In Jennifer's closet? I'm just going to say. Wow. (laughs) I don't know. McGraw, I don't see him having the follow through. Yeah. Uh, I know that you don't have the stomach for it. Mm -mm. I personally think that it is too much work for me. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're honest. And I have to talk to people all the time. Yeah. Uh, Carney. Please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think Jennifer could do it and would do it well. Yeah. I mean, she can get things done. Yes. And that's what we need right now. We need someone to get stuff done. I don't know. McGraw would talk a mean talk, and then at the end of the day. I'm thinking of one or two uh, goodbye tapes that were played at Channel 5 that I think will get her tossed out. Oh, boy. Well, relatively quickly. Let's look at the current landscape of political (laughs) contenders. Oh, I mean, she's fine. That's nothing. Nothing. There's no such thing as skeletons in closets anymore. Yeah, our friend Susan said thanks for recognizing Jean Carnahan. What a remarkable woman. So, yes, indeed. I, I saw this crazy story today, and I guess let's consider this to be a. Kind of a warning, if you will. Did you see this? There was a 14-year-old girl who, I guess, had a candle nearby and was using nail polish remover. And somehow it kind of caught fire. She caught fire and is suffering third-degree burns. Oh. After using nail polish remover near a candle. Now, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't take a lot of bubble baths, but if I do, if I'm having that kind of spa day, I do typically light a candle, or, and maybe I am going to take off my fingernail polish and get in the. I never thought about that being a fire hazard. The fumes? So she said, I had to take my fingernail polish off. Because it's not in uniform with, I don't know if it's the basketball game, maybe. Maybe she was cheerleading for her school's basketball game. And she said, same routine that she does all the time. As I was setting the bottle of nail polish remover down on my bed, the fumes kind of just mixed together. The bottle exploded in her hand and caught her and everything near her on fire. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize it could do that. I didn't either. So that's what I'm saying. This is, you know, a warning. She said it was really scary. She was screaming, trying to do as much as she could to put the fire out, adding that her bed, clothes, arms, hands, hair, all caught on fire. Her parents were at work. She was home alone with her four siblings, two of whom burst into her bedroom after hearing her screams. She was able to put out the fire on her body, and her siblings made it out of the house, called 911 after closing the door to her burning bedroom. It's nothing she's ever been through before and was still in a lot of shock, but after the adrenaline wore down, the pain started. And, I mean, her hands were just covered in bubbles and welts, and her skin 
just awful. Anyway, she's sharing her story just to kind of say, hey, don't do what I did. She will be okay. I mean, she's doing laser treatments every two months for six to ten treatments to make sure that all of the, you know, scarring is then as functional as it can be. But just frightening. And, again, she says that uh, it's important to have three feet between flames and whatever it is that might be flammable. Wow. What, yeah. what is in nail polish remover? Turpentine? Acetone, Ga- I think, is... Gasoline? <laughs> I mean, oh. you know, I always knew hairspray was flammable. Oh, yeah. We remember when those fireworks fell onto Michael Jackson in that Pepsi commercial. Oh, he went up. Yeah. Yeah. But this is just something... Uh, that's I never thought of, so I thought I would share that. Now, here's something else to do with fire that I have not seen, and I don't know if this is a thing in St. Louis yet or not, but have you seen these burnaway cakes? Hmm? Basically, it's your regular birthday cake. Maybe it's a happy anniversary cake or a baby reveal. But in the videos I was watching... The cake is decorated with a printed image, and then you light that kind of like you light a candle. You light the image, and that image smoothly burns away, revealing another image underneath it. Uh. It's really cool, but Hmm. I was trying to figure out how in the heck this works. I guess it started with an Illinois-based uh baker denise's delights and she did kind of a spider-man cake with webs shooting out of the character's hands and then they're transformed by fire are you looking at it connor yeah connor's watching one right now i i am so i guess you use them instead of candles yeah right? like you kind of burn away the top layer of the cake that is pretty it's a pretty big flame though i know yeah. You know, I don't want you were my just kid talking about fires, right? I know. Putting his head over that while we're well, singing. You, you don't blow them out, clearly. You just kind of let it. Let it fizzle You kind of let it do its business. Yeah. Like those I, big sparklers. I don't think you blow those out. You've seen those, right? Uh, what if it would be like a, like a message like, happy birthday, and then you burn it away and it says, just kidding, we hate you. <laughs> no. Why would you go there? Now, see, I was thinking it would see something like, happy birthday, and then underneath it, it was like, you're officially middle-aged. Oh, that's good. Oh, see, that's good. That's good. Something a little sweeter. How about happy birthday, and you burn it away, and it says, go look in the garage. Oh. And you go out there. And and there's there's, nothing? Well, no. See, that's what you would say. Yeah. I would say there's a brand new Kia Telluride. Oh, with a bow? Yeah. A big red bow on it? Yeah. Just ask Darren. He'll get you a bow if you want a bow. He will indeed. All right. Uh, I told you what we have coming up, and uh, we're going to take a short break and come back with just that, Dr. Ravi Johar, to talk about migraines. And if you have a question, of course, text us on the Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. 
One billion people suffer from migraines. It's often overlooked, but there might be ways to prevent them. Dr. Ravi Johar, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare, is here with some tips. I mean, migraines can be debilitating for people. Oh, absolutely. Uh, great to be with you guys again. But uh, migraines are they are much more than a bad headache. I mean, they can cause just unbelievable pain and all kinds of other uh, symptoms also. I mean, you can have a lot of nausea. You can have uh, sleep disturbances. You can have all kinds of things that can happen because of, of migraines. Do we know what causes them? Well, not completely. There's been a lot of research on it. Actually, research started on this back in the 40s. And back um, in the 40s, they, they uh, postulated that it was caused by problems with the blood vessels in the brain. That as that, and then most blood vessels have nerves running right alongside of it. So that as the, the blood vessels uh, dilated and contracted down, that they had some effect on the nerves there. And that's what triggered the headaches. And that led to a lot of research on medications. And that's where the triptan medications that came that have been kind of the staple for treatment. But lately, they've been looking at a lot more things with migraines, and they discovered that it's really far, far more complex than anything like that. What's um, the difference in a migraine and a regular headache? Well, there's four different kinds of headaches. I mean, there's the, the regular tension headaches, uh, which is one of the biggest kind that, that everyone has. Um, and then there's um, then the, the, the migraines, there's and migraines basically are a type of headache where the symptoms are very different. They're usually one-sided, and they usually have a trigger to them, um, something that, that is different. And they also have a lot of other symptoms that go along with it. Um, usually, normally, you don't have a lot of nausea and vomiting with headaches or sensitivity to light, um, things like that. That occurs with migraines. Migraines also have um, different things with auditory changes, hallucinations, numbness, changes in speech. All of those things can kind of occur with a migraine. And I get them, doctor, from time to time, but they are, are nowhere near the ones where, you know, people who regularly get migraines uh, are laid up and with the light and everything. And if I catch it early enough, I'll just pop a couple Excedrin and it kind of goes away without getting full blown. What I've noticed in me, and tell me if this makes any sense or if there's any studies about this, my migraine is tied into uh, my, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, my digestion and and whether or not uh, I've, I've, you know, used the restroom properly that day. <laughs> and I, I hate to say it, but uh, as someone who gets them, I have been able to pinpoint that as being one of the causes of it. And that's one thing that, that's really kind of unique about migraines is that they usually have a trigger. You know, there may be other things that go along with migraines, but one of the things that's, that's really associated with migraine is there's a trigger that causes it to happen. And the triggers can be any kind of thing, certainly um, anything else that's going on like, like you described or uh, what you eat, uh, sometimes drinks, uh, such as caffeine, someone who drinks a lot of coffee, that can be a trigger, or alcohol. Uh, stress can do it. Sensory stimuli. A lot of times if you see brighter flashing lights, that can do it. Um, sleep, uh, physical strain, a lot of exercise, um, that can do that. Even sometimes weather changes or barometric pressure drops, like we talked mm. about pain in the joints, can trigger migraines. Uh, foods, one of the big ones there that seems to be there's age 
cheeses and salty processed foods can do it. And even sometimes food additives like uh, MSG or um, even, you know, regular sweeteners, NutraSweet and things like that can, can trigger migraines. So one of the big keys in treatment of migraines and prevention of migraines is trying to identify what your triggers are and seeing and trying to avoid that. And if you can't avoid that, sometimes there's some medications that can be taken to try to help decrease your risk of uh, of getting a migraine later. I want to get to some of those medications, but first, are migraines hereditary? There is some new research that's going on that seems to show that there is some kind of genetic basis to it, that sometimes they can see some different abnormalities, but it's nothing that's definitive, and they don't really see a lot um, to do to indicate that. And so that's why the theory is there's no one single cause for migraine, but there may be a genetic disposition of it, but it is still a combination of, of that lifestyle and triggers. Is there a common age when they start? Unfortunately, no. Migraines can come on suddenly, and they can start at any age. Ugh. One of the things that has changed is that we're discovering, before they thought that it was more of an issue with um, young adults and, and older, and now they're finding that migraines can actually occur in children. Oh. Are they more prevalent in men or women, or do we? does it affect us all equally? Well, unfortunately, this is one of those where it is more common in women. Mm. And so there's research going on there. Uh, one of the thoughts on that, one of the theories that's being explored a lot, is that we know that hormonal changes uh, can be a trigger for many people. And unfortunately, fortunately, women tend to have more hormonal changes just during the course of the month. And somebody on the text line is wanting to know about Nurtec. Is it a good mm-hmm. option? Nurtec is one of the newer medications. Um, you know, I mentioned that the Imitrex and the Triptans were the, the first kind of medications that are out there now. Now there's a, a new set. These are called G-Pants, G-E-P-A-N-T-S. And they're uh, different ones that are trying to block a pathway that they think is associated with migraines. So Ubrelvi and Nurtec are kind of the same medication. There's actually a nasal form of it now called uh, Zazpret that is a nasal spray that you take if you have a migraine. So these are all new ones that are out there, but they are also very, very expensive medications too. I have a friend who's had them since she was a kid, and she started getting Botox shots kind of in her head, and that seems to help. Have you heard anything about that? There has been some theories on that. That goes along again with uh, affecting the, the nerves and blood vessels and things. So the thought is if you use Botox, which is kind of a paralytic and, and paralyzes some of those things, that they may decrease that. So that's another thing that has been tried um, and has been looked at as, as an option for some people who have just debilitating pain from this. And this might open up a whole nother can, uh, but what about uh, the, where they, what's that stuff where they stick pins in you? Uh, the acupuncture. Acupuncture. Is that, is that a real thing for headaches? And is that a real thing in general? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of folks that believe very strongly in acupuncture. And we have seen cases where it does seem to make a difference. So I, you know, a lot of our, our old um, things like, like, like acupuncture and, and other homeopathic or home remedies and things like that are based on something that works. 
So I have learned over time that you, you have to really look at it and try to understand how it's working and try to understand how it works. But there is um, nothing harmful about it if it's done with the, the people that are trained in it and in the right way. So I think if that's something that you want to try, that is certainly an option. Dr. Johar, we have a great and question. even started covering that now. Um, yeah. Medicaid thing too. So oh, interesting. Good to know. A great question from the text line: Are you more susceptible to strokes if you have migraines? That really is a good question. I haven't seen anything about that, but that's a that's an excellent question. I'll have to research that some more, and, and you know, text you an answer if I find something. A couple that's, of people yeah. are, are texting in about cluster headaches. What are what are cluster mm-hmm. headaches? Well, cluster headaches are one of the other types of headaches. You know, we mentioned tension headaches uh, and migraines. Another one is uh, a cluster headache. And that's just trying to describe how a cluster headache, uh, the best way to to think about that. Um, they're actually the most common headaches. And they are similar in a way to migraines in that they're usually on one side, uh, usually behind the eye. Um, and sometimes you'll see running nose congestion with it, things of that sort. Um, but they usually don't come on suddenly. Uh, they're gradual over time, and they kind of occur in the same place. There's usually not a trigger associated with it. Hmm. Someone else saying, if I take medication and I lie in a recliner as opposed to lying in a bed, it seems to help. Is that possible? Is there something to be in at an angle? Yeah. Sure. It's going to change your blood flow, and you may be able to relax more. And all those things will kind of decrease the pressure on the blood vessels and things. So, absolutely, a lot of a lot of what goes on with headaches, whether they're migraine or other types of headaches, is finding out what's what works for you because different triggers are different for different folks. So that may very well be a good option for for that person, and it may work for others. On the other hand, other things may work better for others. Why is it that migraines have remained so elusive? I mean, we've put a man on the moon. We've got uh, treatments for cancers these days. One of these days, we're going to completely eradicate cancer. I know it. Uh, HIV, we have, you know, helped out immensely in that zone. But something as as simple as a migraine, we still just don't know. Well, I think that's the the, the fallacy is that the, the migraines are not simple. Unfortunately, they're very very complex and involved in interaction. Uh, of nerves and blood vessels, lifestyle, hereditary, uh, all the genes, and then it involves the brain. And as we know, the brain, there's a lot we don't know about the brain, and everybody's brain is very, very unique and different. So when you combine all those different factors together to trigger a migraine, and then you add in all the different triggers. So when you start putting all those different factors together, it ends up being a very, very complex and unique uh, entity that is different from each person. You know, a, a virus will probably be the same virus with each person. So once you can identify that virus and figure out treatment for that, you'll be able to take care of a lot of folks. With a migraine, it becomes very individualized. And that's why it's really important to find a good neurologist that specializes in migraines and go through, you know, all the testing that they can do and identification of what is unique to you and then try to, to come up with a treatment plan that works individually for you. Well, someone from the 314, what about ocular migraines? How many different kinds of migraines are there? There are about 10 different types of migraines. 
Um, there's um, in, in the, even migraines in the um, abdomen um, because they occur around nerves and blood vessels in the abdomen. It can cause the same kind of thing. There's migraines with aura, migraines without aura. There's uh, like I said, the, the ocular or retinal migraines. There's menstrual migraines. There's uh, hemiplegic migraines. And those all kind of refer to partly what what's affected by the migraine, where they occur, um, all those different sort of things go into it. But there's about 10 different types of migraines that have been identified or are, are uh, in the neurology textbooks. You mentioned tension headaches, there's cluster headaches, there's the 10 types of migraines. But for the good old-fashioned, we just went out too late and drank way too much headache. Do we know what causes that? Well, we think that that's usually what we generally think of as the tension headaches. And, and we think that's because of um, just any of the factors that we do during the day that we just do things like, you know, stress, tight muscles are often big factors with that. Dehydration. Um, yeah. That's one of the biggest things. Absolutely. So if somebody is new to migraines, is there one thing that you would recommend to treat it? Should you go and uh, get one specific over-the-counter medication to see if it works? I think if you truly have a headache where you get this throbbing, pulsing pain on one side of the head or you get things of that sort, the first thing I would probably do is go see uh, a neurologist or your primary care physician just to make sure there's nothing else going on. I mean, you'd hate to be thinking that you have a migraine and end up with something much, much worse that could be treated or, or needs to be treated. So I would go get that checked out first. After that, the first thing is to try to think back on your headache and see if there was something you did when that occurred. The over-the-counter pain medications are probably the first thing to try. Uh, the acetaminophen, the uh, ibuprofen, things of that sort. Uh, those are probably the first things that I would try. Then after that, you know, if you've seen the doctor, they'll probably give you a trip down like a Maxalt or something of that sort. And, and try to see if that will work. There's really nothing else over-the-counter that makes a big difference with it. Um, you know, you look at some of the over-the-counter headache treatments, and they involve caffeine, uh, things of that sort, but we know that some migraines can be triggered to caffeine, so I probably wouldn't jump into that as a first, first step. All right, Dr. Ravi Johar, I think we hit a hot topic with migraines, and obviously since they affect more than 1 billion people, chances are a lot of listeners have suffered from migraines. So thank you so much for offering some tips. Anytime. It's my pleasure joining you. All right. Have a great rest of your week. Well, we might not live in a border state, but how our country is handling migrants coming in affects all of us. Nick Miroff is a reporter who covers the Department of Homeland Security, and he joins us with what's going on at the border. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. What are the latest numbers of migrants coming in on a daily basis? Um, So uh, December was a record month at the southern border. Um, there were about 250,000 illegal border crossings um, and about 300,000 uh, overall. So the other 50,000 were at ports of entry. That is an all-time high. Uh, but since then, those numbers have fallen. We, that's pretty typical of the, of the kind of post-holiday period. And um, we're in just in the last, say, 10 days, they've started to tick up again, but they're not on the level that they were in December. What do we, the common citizen, not understand about the U.S.-Mexico border and what's going on? Oof, 
Do you have uh, several hours to discuss that? Uh, we got about six minutes. <laughs> six minutes. Okay. What do we not understand? Gosh, I mean, there's so much to. Um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, the you know the vast majority of people who are coming uh, are coming because they are seeking a better life. They sense an opportunity to come to this country and um, uh, improve their lives, their families' lives, and they uh, are making a rational decision and an investment to come to this country because they have a really good chance of of getting a job. And so uh, while there are some certainly some threats and some security concerns in that flow of people, and there's certainly a lot of drug trafficking activity that um, you know also occurs while this mass migration is going on, I think um, you know most listeners know that a lot of the immigrants who are coming here end up working in uh, you know blue collar, low wage jobs, and they're trying to you know get ahead in life and and you know create a better future for their kids. The very little I actually know about immigration law is if you go through the regular process, I don't know, you can get a visa, a work permit. If you, the visa expires, you get deported back to your own country. Uh, but a lot of these people that are coming in here are doing so under uh, the asylum. And, and that is to say that in my own home country, um, my life is in danger. I come in and I claim asylum and I, I wait for my court date. So where are these people coming from? That's a great question. And, yes, you're right. That is That has become one of the biggest drivers of illegal border crossings is the is the expectation that you can you can come across you can say that you have a fear of return whether or not that's actually you know the case or not and uh, you can be released into the United States with a pending court hearing that may be months or even years in the future and then you know in that time you're able to live and work in the United States while you're while you're waiting and even if your asylum claim is rejected the chances of being deported are pretty low so um, that is uh, that is certainly driving a lot of these crossings, and people are coming from really now from all over the world, including from some places where they are facing persecution. That includes you know record numbers of people from from countries like Venezuela, China, Iran, um, you know Senegal, all coming across the you know the U.S. southern border in a way that we've never seen before. And, you know, it creates an incredible burden for our immigration court system, which has to figure out, you know, who is really truly facing persecution if, if returned home and, you know, maybe deserves U.S. protection. I know that historically we had seen a lot of Mexicans coming over on border crossings. Is that still the case? Or is, does Mexico qualify as asylum seekers or are they even still wanting to come here? You know, we are seeing uh, large numbers of Mexicans. Mexicans are once more the single, you know, largest nationality among those crossing the border. And while a lot of those people are, you know, um, laborers, um, you know, kind of would fit your typical profile, um, many of them are now seeking asylum because they're fleeing from communities that are, you know, taken over by drug cartels and where, you know, the local authorities are totally bought off. And so, um, you know, we're seeing, you know, they, they now, they still account for, I would say, I think that's maybe about 30% of all, of all um, 
uh, arrests along the southern border. Nick, at the root of all of this, is our immigration system simply broken? It's broken. It's, you know, it's overwhelmed. Um, it's it's not designed to deal with this uh, number of people, with people with, you know, with such kind of complex national, you know, nationalities and cases. It's not designed um, for uh, this many people claiming asylum, you know. So it's got all these, it's got all these uh all these kind of broken parts. I mean, I've likened it to like an old car just barreling down the highway at 80 miles an hour and parts are just falling off left and right. And, you know, in this case, we definitely need some mechanics to go in to fix it. And they don't agree on what needs to be done. Well, speaking of, when when people in Congress say that they want to shut down the border or they will shut down the border, what does that actually entail? We see razor wire and we see – but what does shutting down the border look like? Yeah, well, I mean – there's there you know it's a, a couple of things it could be it's, it's the kind of authority that this uh, that the senators are discussing right now in this bipartisan bill that would um, at a certain threshold give the the executive branch the basically the ability to to expel border crossers kind of like we had during the pandemic where somebody comes across and even if they're seeking asylum they just go back to Mexico in a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's that that is uh helpful to the border patrol because it's such a quick uh process but you know what we saw during that episode during those years was that a lot of people would just turn around and try to you know come in again and again so uh that's one kind of shutting down the border and then there's the more um you know the more severe kind which would be actually limiting you know or shutting down legal crossings or commerce at the at the official crossings and ports of entry you know mexico is the united states's largest trading partner right now so this is that's a big deal and if you start choking off um the flow of commerce or legal crossings it has you know ripple effects throughout our economy i know that mexico probably doesn't want a lot of these people to be sent back and remain in mexico is not popular with Mexicans, but are they doing anything about their southern border? Is is that where a lot of these people are coming from initially? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like flying into, say, Central America or even South America and then making the journey north. You know, some of them are going through that Darien Gap jungle region in Panama, um, you know, where, where record numbers of people are now crossing. And, you know, Mexican immigration enforcement kind of comes and goes. Um, what we've seen, the pattern we've seen over the last few years is that the numbers start to get, you know, they start to build and build. And then the U.S. government goes to Mexico and says, you got to tighten this up. you got to crack down. And, and so Mexico, you know, uses its military to tighten things up, runs more checkpoints, that kind of thing. And we see numbers go down for a little while, but it's like, you know, it's rarely sustained for very long. And, you know, it's really become kind of one more, one more way that, you know, Mexico can kind of gain – it's a way that Mexico can kind of gain some diplomatic leverage over the United States on, on other kind of bilateral issues involving with the economy and so forth. So, um, you know, they, they certainly have the, the ability to, to slow it down at certain times, but they, turn, but they don't have the resources nor really like the, you know, the political will, I think, to do 
sustained immigration enforcement on behalf of the United States for, you know, indefinitely. We're talking to Nick Miroff, a reporter who covers the Department of Homeland Security for The Washington Post. And while we have you, I mean, House Republicans uh, are moving to impeach. Mariakis, do they have a, a shot at this? I mean, I know this is the first time this is being done in 150 years. Or is this just a political stunt, as so many people on the other side are saying? Uh, it seems kind of more like a stunt. I mean, that's just my opinion as an observer. And I say that because um, the Democratic-controlled Senate is not going to convict him or remove him from office, right? And, you know, the other argument is that he didn't commit high crimes um, or, or misdemeanors. The, you know, the ways that, you know, they have some major policy differences. I think that he has frustrated many Republican lawmakers when they um, try to, you know, press him on, on border policy and on a lot of the decisions of the administration. But at the end of the day, he is carrying out the orders of his boss. And these are this is the policy direction that the Biden administration has set. So to lay everything at his feet um, feels, you know, doesn't doesn't quite feel uh, right. And I think you know, for for his critics, you know, he's a he's a good kind of proxy for the for the Biden administration. They want to, you know, focus their their anger at him. But um, I don't you know, the chances of him getting removed don't seem, uh, you know, very likely at all, given Democratic control of the Senate. Nick, we certainly appreciate your uh, expertise on the matter and your time today. Thank you. Headlines for this Wednesday afternoon, the last day of January. Mattel selling Super Bowl Barbie for the first time. You won't be able to get it, however, until after the Chiefs and 49ers face off on February 11th in Las Vegas. I literally mean this without any sort of weirdness or whatever. What is she wearing? The special edition Big Game Barbie will come dressed in the winning team's jersey. Oh, and Hatch will also hold a foam finger with the Super Bowl logo. The doll can be pre-ordered through February 25th at creations.mattel.com. The orders for the winning team's version will get fulfilled. Orders for the losing team will get refunded. Shipments will start in August. Mattel is also selling a Super Bowl 54 Uno deck. And again, selling a Super Bowl Little People set. If the Chiefs win. Mm-hmm. Is it an 87 jersey or a 15 jersey? Ooh, tough call. Mm-hmm. I, there's a story. Or I got. does it just say 89 for Taylor Swift, 1989? Oh, boy. Oh, 13. Or 13. Isn't that her number? Travis Kelsey has voted the football star Americans would most want as their neighbor. <laughs> and do they want him as the neighbor? <laughs> or do they want... It's not all about her. Taylor right? Swift. It's not all about her. To be coming over. He's his own man, too. No, I saw uh, The View, I don't know if it was yesterday morning or t- today, and they started talking about it, and Whoopi Goldberg's head just hit the desk. Like, again? Again with this? Uh-huh. Well... We got two more weeks of it. So (laughs) strap in, everybody. I guess a week and a half. St. Louis County has received a boost for its EV plan by securing a grant from the U.S. Department of Energy. $735,000 will go to convert their light duty fleet to electric vehicles. They want to convert 27% 
to electric by 2027. 41 charging points at Conning facilities and an additional four to five EVs. I asked Doug over there at St. Louis County, what is the light duty fleet? And Connor, you used to work for the county. He said it was for parks and maintenance crews to Mm -hmm. use them. Did the county give you guys your own cars? Uh, I think like certain people got to drive them. Yeah. And if we needed to drive and like haul stuff around, then yes. Yeah. So the the fleet is going electric. All right. Smoke and kettle from the owners of Beastcraft Barbecue to open in O'Fallon, Illinois, just in time for the Lenten fish fry season. Craft Pitmatzer and nationally renowned chef David Sandusky is adding another comfort food option to his restaurant arsenal. He and his wife currently operate Beastcraft Barbecue as well as a food truck and a satellite operations at both Bosch U and City Park. Smoke and kettle is a fish, chicken, and barbecue con. Concept coming February 9th in the Knights of Columbus Club and Event Center in O'Fallon, Illinois. It will offer both dine-in and carry-out service. All right. I always ask this about Thanksgiving, turkey and stuffing. You only have it once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Do you ever eat fish and chips outside of Lent? Occasionally. Occasionally. Mm-hmm. Does the fish... I would say... Mm. Marcia probably does more than I do. More than you. Mm-hmm. Does the fish fillet... Get eaten in September. I would say it does. Yeah. At oh, McDonald's? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Connor, do you ever go to McDonald's and say, I'm feeling a fish fillet? I don't, but I have friends that do. I do too. Okay. All right. You answered my question. And do you remember this name, Heidi Kim Davis? Yes. This is the Kentucky County Clerk 2015 denied the marriage license to the same sex couples. She was just ruled. Just now, this is 2015, just ruled that she owes that couple $100,000 in damages and must pay $260,000 in fees and expenses for their lawyer's fees. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this thing is still going on. I thought she was... All a, of these court cases let drag on forever. A footnote in history, but this might be the last time we do hear about her. I can't believe it took eight years to finally get a judgment on this one. So, yeah. uh, just let you know, your actions have consequences. Yes, they do. Sometimes that means, oh, that project cost more than I thought it was. Where am I going to get this money from? And for yours truly, we go to Together Credit Union because the home equity line of credit has been just so invaluable. I mean, it, I can't even say enough great things about how it's helped out and the the rates that you can get it at. But Together Credit Union has so many great programs. Of course, there's checking and savings. You can get your mortgage through to credit, Together Credit Union. There's business banking. But if maybe you're wanting to save a little more money this year, well, Together Credit Union, which, by the way, City SC's official banking partner, you can even have your own little debit card with the... Um, oh, with the logo. The logo, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Anyway, Together Credit Union is offering a guaranteed way to grow your money with two different limited-time CD promotions. The first one is an 11-month CD term with a 5.40% annual percentage yield. I'm not going to get into it. You can call somebody over at Together Credit Union. They will walk you through all of it because one of the other great things, when you bank or – Uh, team up with Together Credit Union, 
you're not talking to a robot. You're talking to an actual person that then becomes sort of your person. Now, the second option is a 19-month CD term with a 5.00 percentage uh, annual percentage yield. Both options uh, require a minimum balance of $1,000, but then instead of spending money in 2024, you actually make some money with these limited-time CD promotions. Uh, You can visit TogetherCU.org today or just swing by one of their many branches. Again, it's TogetherCU.org. like it but spring is right around the corner at least that's what i keep telling myself and there are some things we can do now to get our houses ready lauren is uh out this afternoon but her right hand man adam bundren is here with some tips thanks for joining us adam glad to be here thanks for having me so when we talk about curb appeal is it more than just planting flowers and putting some shrubs and mulch in Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of those things are are good steps. But what a lot of people don't realize is when spring rolls around, it's time to remove everything that has happened over fall and winter, whether it's, you know, tons of leaves that are stockpiled up against the the garden beds. It's old um, perennials that have kind of withered and, and just stuck in the ground. Um, and a lot, and to be honest, there's a lot of remnants of water issues that that stick around through the through this fall and winter months. So it's time to kind of get a good clean slate uh, in, in, as far as curb appeal is concerned, so that we can then do those planting of beautiful flowers, putting in some mulch, stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing that people forget is it's going to take some time to clean out what happened over fall and winter. How important is hardscape? If we're going to kind of do like a little retaining wall, or maybe you're going to put in some, you know, stones for a pathway. Sure. I mean, it obviously depending on what the landscape of the property itself is, you know, it, it, I would say it depends. The, the one thing I would say is if you have a landscape that is going to, you know, warrant some type of, of hardscape or stone or something like that, have it done correctly. Don't think that you can just do it yourself or, you know, do have a buddy who kind of knows what he's doing, do it. Because inevitably what's going to happen is as the seasons pass on and we see erosion and water and all those things happen, the first thing I do when I walk around a property um, with a buyer is look at those things. Like if there's a 50-foot retaining wall and it looks really shoddy, that can be a very expensive repair because it's not just the stone that has to be addressed. It's backfilling, it's excavation, things like that. So if you if you need something like that, get a professional that can actually give you a solid product so that you're not having to rework everything. Because buyers don't understand how much things cost. Yeah. When they walk in the backyard and they see a retaining wall falling, in their mind, it's fifty thousand dollars to fix it. So it, I, I, depending on if the property needs it or not, you know, I would say get a professional that knows what they're doing for hardscape stuff. Is there one thing over another that you do want to do for your front yard landscaping? Like if things, styles change, 
you know, from generation to generation. I get it. Uh, there were yeah. some big boxwoods in front of the house that we bought, and the first thing my wife said was, rip them out. And, you know, we spent yep. a couple grand on, on new landscaping for ourselves. But when you're trying to sell your house or you want it to look good because maybe you want to sell it, is there one thing that maybe we should stay away from? Big, big, you know, kind of gaudy type of elements, whether it's a huge bush or a huge decorative thing. Uh, a lot of the times we tell people less is more. Um, if, if you just want some color pops, those planters on each side of the door are fantastic. If you're just looking for a few things to, to spruce up a bed, it could be as simple as a few bags of fresh mulch. Um, things like that are, are super, super easy to do, very uh, financially, you know, a good appetite for that. But one thing that a lot of folks don't realize is it's not always about the landscape when it comes to curb appeal. If you walk up to a front door and you're on your, your stoop, take a look around. Look up. Is there cobwebs everywhere? Does it need to be power washed? Does the door jam need a fresh coat of paint? Little elements like that go so far because it's the first impression. It's not just the plants. It's not just what do my trees look like? Are they trimmed? If everything looks great and you walk up to the front door and there's peeling paint and it looks like there's old wasp nests and, and spider webs everywhere, you just ruined your first impression that, that you had the opportunity to give. Yeah, that's something I didn't even think about, just knocking down all of those spider webs. Yeah, yeah, and they're everywhere. You know, they're on every single front porch. So you don't always have, you know, people don't don't look at those things because they think it's this big daunting thing. Or I, well, where do I get a power sprayer? Use a hose, use a broom. You know, try that first, and you may not need you may not need that to get a power sprayer or have somebody come out and and do some work. How about just um, a fresh just, coat of paint for the front door? Uh, love it, love it, love it. And and you know, I, I always get asked this, like, well, what color should I what color should I paint the front door? I don't want to be too bold. I don't want to be too bland. It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter if you have kind of a plain Jane in front of your house. A, an, an addition of color pop isn't a bad thing. If you've got lots of colorful elements on your in your your front garden bed and things like that, you may want to go with just a standard black painted door, or a, a nice easy red door, or something like that. You don't have to paint it canary yellow. How important are good windows in the front of our house? Well, I mean, they're for sure, you know, super important. You know, what, what, what I see a lot, especially in historic districts, is that the front windows are actually the most difficult to replace because some districts require those front windows to have a certain look, which can add dollars. So from an efficiency standpoint, I would look at all windows. Um, you know, you can't, you can't go wrong. Um, if you're if you're dealing with older windows in the front, what a lot of folks don't realize is they've probably been painted five, ten, fifteen times <laughs> over the hundred years of their, their lifespan. So, making sure that the window panes are nice and clean, get to a, a little razor uh, razor blade and kind of scrape the window so it looks crisp and clean. And if you're going to paint them, it's okay. Don't feel like you can't do it. Just make sure that it's not a sloppy job and they will pop. Out in my neighborhood, Adam, uh, the front porches, you can tell some people have real wood. That's what we have. And other people have this poly wood. And uh, my mm -hmm. sister's got it. And when it gets wet, it gets pretty slippery. Uh, I'm pretty happy with my real wood. But out there on the open market, which is commanding top dollar? Well, 
um, you know, from a labor and material perspective, it just depends on where you get it. What I what I'll say is there, there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing like real wood. Um, you know, you can you can change the color of it easily. You can refinish it multiple times. You can kind of have a few different applications for it, but it doesn't ha- it doesn't hold up as long as those composite decks. Now, composite decks are great, but they do come with you know some some headaches. One is what you just said. They, they tend to get slippery. Two, they tend to get very hot in the summer. Uh, so you can't walk around barefoot as much as you could on just a, a natural wood. And the other thing is you really can't change the aesthetic of it. Once it's there and you pick a color for that tech deck or whatever brand you use, that's what it is. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. So really, when we think about spring, it's kind of spring cleaning for the outside of our house as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. You know, don't don't take on this huge project of we have to clean. We have to have a, you know, everything fresh and brand new and all this stuff. Like a lot of the times your property is going to look really great if you just get rid of everything that's happened over the last six months. Um, you know, you, you have piles of leaves, you know, pushed up against the, the house and in the in the, the bushes and all this stuff from winter. Um, and a lot of the times we just think, well, let's just plant something. Maybe that'll help. Well, if you clean some stuff out, you may not have to plant as much as you really think you do. Yeah, we're talking to Adam Bundren, who is Lauren Risley's right-hand man there at uh, Lauren Risley Realty. And by the way, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home or you just have a question because knowledge is power, call Lauren Risley Realty, 314-775-0684. You can also email her. Hello at LaurenRisleyRealty.com. What about fences? Because I always feel like if if the house is there and the house is beautiful, but I glance over to the right or left and the fence has a board out or it's kind of, you know, bent a little bit, that's exactly what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not a that's not a terribly expensive, you know, repair when you're when you're dealing with a privacy fence that has a slat that's that's busted or pop or something like that. Really, the expense is once you make that repair, how do you make everything look uniform? Mm-hmm. Do I have to stain everything again? Do I have to paint again? Um, you know, I always find that these little tiny projects tend to turn into bigger projects yes. without you really understanding the. Fo- I mean, you can't not do it. You know, you don't want to sit there with a busted, you know, a busted fence uh, slat, but at the same time don't expect to just run to Home Depot and grab a $4 picket to replace it and then be done because now you're going to look at an eyesore of, well, this is a fresh cedar picket and everything else has been weathered for three years. What do I do with that? Back to uh, the Pollywood versus real wood. When it comes to a fence around the house, would you rather try to sell a house that has one of these? Is it even plastic? They put up these big plastic fences or do you want old-fashioned wood? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, it depends on the municipality because and of the neighborhood. Some HOAs restrict certain materials to be used for their fences. So that's the first the first thing I would say is make sure that you're not, you know, investing in a bunch of wrought iron or a bunch of uh, cedar or even those large plastic uh, polycomposite fences without fully understanding whether or not you're going to be able to use it. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter to me really what, what, what fence is there. I, I want it clean. You know, if it's, it's, if it's one of those large white poly composite fences, those tend to discolor. They, they tend to get some moldy and mildew stuff just from pollen being blown around in moisture. 
So those need to stay clean with um, uh, with power washing. Chain link fences tend to rust, so if you don't treat those, you'll see you know some some nastiness on there. I think regardless of what fence you have, the the story is is it sturdy and is it clean? Yeah. And if those two things are true, I'm happy. Got it. Well, Adam, thank you so much for your tips. Again, you guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell or if you just have a question, Lauren Risley Realty is always there to help. 314-775-0684. You can also email hello at com. You know who else is always right? It's Jeff Zufo. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is it is tax season. We're coming up on it. Did you get your W-2? I did. Yeah? Did you make as much as you wanted to? I mean, do we ever? Never. Never. Uh, But you don't want to ever give any back to the federal government if you don't have to. That's the whole point of Keep What's Yours, the radio show, the book that Jeff wrote, and the lifestyle that we want to live. We want to keep every single dime that's ours. I don't mind paying taxes. You know, it's necessary evil. But I don't want to pay a penny more than what I have to. No and way. Now's the time of year. Yeah, we got to do our taxes for last year. But now's the time of year to get stuff set up for the next year. And hopefully you take advantage of the tax savings for a full 12 months this time because we didn't start Finn's uh, school tax break thing until we do an FSA for Finn's school. We started that in June. And when we went and did our taxes the next year, I kicked myself and said, ah, if only we could have gotten a full year of tax savings. Or in this case, tax keepings. Keep What's Yours is on the air on Saturday afternoons. And you can call Jeff any time of the day, 636-394-5524. Capital Advisory Group, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Illustrated used to be in every doctor's office and on most coffee tables, but now the company is laying off a massive amount of people. What happened? Ben Strauss is a sports and media reporter with the Washington Post, and he joins us with his thoughts. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Is this just the future of magazines? I know that most magazines that I get these days seem to be more ads than they are content. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's two things. I think the general magazine business, the general media business these days, whether you look at the L.A. Times or Sports Illustrated or, um, you know, so many outlets of varying size and local, national, all of it, getting smaller, laying people off. Um, so, yes, fits the trend of, of larger um, media contraction. The Sports Illustrated thing is a little bit specific also in that there's a very unusual business arrangement between the company that owns it and the company that um, pays a licensing fee to publish it, just to put out the magazine and publish it online, and they are fighting over what that fee should be. And so these layoffs um, are, are and sort of the widespread nature of them are sort of specific to this corporate warfare between the owner of Sports Illustrated and the publisher of Sports Illustrated. And why are those two separate? Uh, how did this come to be? Is this normal uh, in magazines and we just never knew it? No, this is extremely weird. So great question. But no, this is there is no other, you know, arrangement like this. The company that owns Sports Illustrated bought it, I think, five years ago or so um, from a normal magazine publisher. But the company that bought it is a licensing company. So they license brands like they own the 
the brand of Elvis Presley, um, for example, and Billabong, the clothing company. So they license brands to other entities who want to use those brand names um, and they collect a fee. And so they've licensed, you know, the Sports Illustrated publishing rights to another media company that, that publishes it. But this is extremely weird. And I am unaware of any other, you know, media arrangement that, that looks like this at all. So is Sports Illustrated going away? Will it just be online or it'll kind of be business as usual? That is another great question. So for right now, it is still publishing um, online and the magazine. And the two sides continue to negotiate, um, you know, the, the mass layoffs. They laid off a few people immediately, but the vast majority of the staff basically was given 90 days notice um, that, that if the, a new agreement was not reached between these two sides, they would be laid off. So they continue to negotiate. Uh, the owners of Sports Illustrated have also said that they could sell this publishing license to another media company. Um, and so what Sports Illustrated will look like, what happens to these, you know, 80 or so people who work for Sports Illustrated, uh, we don't know as of today. How often does it publish? Because I remember we used to get it. Uh, I've got a shoe phone, by the way, Heidi, oh. uh, wherever <laughs> that is right now. But it used to come every week. Is that still the, the circulation rate? Uh, no, it is. Uh, they've they've cut back a lot of issues. I believe it's monthly, um, with a couple of extra um, special issues um, throughout the year. And so it is. It's definitely. You know, you talk about that weekly magazine that, that as a kid I remember, and it sounds like you do too. It is um, definitely not. Um, you know, publishing with the same happen certainly isn't the same cultural institution it was that you know, generations of, of sports fans um, grew up with. So it's 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 definitely struggled through the, the digital age and, and has had several rounds of layoffs and, um, you know, definitely isn't, you know, the Sports Illustrated that, you know, kids in the 80s or 90s remember. However, through all of that, there has still been the swimsuit issue. <laughs> yes, that that has remained. And I think one of the reasons that, that the magazine itself, you know, still has, I think around a million subscribers, which you know, in this day and age in media, is is no no small number. That that issue probably pays for the rest of the year. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, but I, you know, I had uh, a subscription to Rolling Stone, and then sometime uh, ten, fifteen years ago, they changed the size of it, like the physical. It used to be a big magazine. Now it's kind of the size of a regular magazine. So I've noticed that in the industry. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of stuff has gone online. I think Newsweek is only online now. And just as far as the future of magazines go, I noticed that uh, I'll get an Esquire or I'll get a GQ. And there might be maybe eight articles in the whole thing, whereas it used to be cover to cover, jam-packed with stuff. What is going on in the magazine industry as a whole? Yeah, I, it, it's not a um, pretty picture, but but you think back to sort of the pre-internet age, the magazines, so the glossy magazine was was primo advertising real estate, um, and now all of those brands go online or to Instagram, um, and you know the publishing companies, these magazine companies, can't charge the same rates online, and and the companies that, that dominate the the digital ad market are Google and Facebook. Um, and so Sports Illustrated, 
magazines that was used to be owned by Time Inc. Um, and and they have not been able to replace that um, ad revenue um, in a digital world. And so you hear stories about magazines in the you know the seventies and the eighties. These old Time Inc. magazines that you know had these incredible expense budgets. And, you know, in New York City would would have you know these exotic parties and lunches and um, it is it is the world of publishing in, in, in general. Um, you know, it's been a a, a long uh, decline, um, fairly steady decline for a while that that has become more precipitous in the last few years. And Ben, I don't know about you, but I feel like kind of all of a sudden uh, there was online content that either went with a TV station or a magazine. It, in the beginning, that was free. And it's almost like that horse was out of the gate. Now you can't go back and charge people for that online content because you've been giving it away. Yeah, it's a totally, uh, totally good point. Um, really, the the one company that's done that's, that has put the horse back in the barn is the New York Times. They have uh, 10 million um, paying subscribers uh, to you know their cooking and games and, and news too. But really, nobody else has been able to um, acquire digital subscribers to sort of match the print subscribers they once had. And I wonder, The Athletic, which I, I do pay money for, and I think that is at this point a New York Times uh, subsidiary, The Athletic is all online, and they don't have, they don't even have a print magazine for you if you want to hold it in your hand. ESPN came out with a magazine a while ago, and they were, they were challenging Sports Illustrated. Does ESPN, the magazine, still exist? Nope. Hmm. Uh, that was uh, a few years ago. They shut down the the print version of ESPN magazine. So yeah, it's it's not unique to Sports Illustrated. It is it is fairly brutal for for publishing in general. So a sports magazine I can actually hold in my hand. Sports Illustrated is one of the last ones, the stalwart, and it might be going away as well. Do we know a timeline of when we will hear more, or if they have a last publication date? Um, I would expect in the next few weeks, I think they had about two months from when this news happened a, a little while ago to continue negotiating. But I think in the next several weeks, month or so, um, the the company that owns Sports Illustrated will have to make some sort of decision on, on who's going to publish it. All right. Ben Strauss, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Sorry it was uh, – not the happiest news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we understand, but we appreciate your knowledge. I don't know about you, but sunshine is a needed sight and it is sunny right now it looks like it's still about 50 degrees we might see some sun tomorrow the sun's out yeah i can't tell well it's hard in here but yeah. i was looking at my um temperature gauge and it showed big bright sun yeah which is so nice but if you need even more than that daniel neiman with the uh post put together a list of seven places to visit in st louis to kind of get rid of those wintertime blues and just some things that you might have forgotten about i mean the jewel box is fantastic so peaceful so beautiful can i just walk in there 
I think so. Well, Depending, I mean, if there's not a wedding, if there's not an event, the glass right. walls, they might ask for a donation of a dollar, five dollars. Re- not required, though. No. But the glass walls <laughs> go up 50 feet in the air. Carney got married there. It's, it's gorgeous. The flowers yeah. are beautiful. I mean, Art Deco des- design is just super cool when you walk in. And, of course, the tropical plants just make you feel like you're somewhere else. It was built in 1936 as the St. Louis Floral Conservatory, and it's still just basically a home for plants, but it's a venue for all kinds of events, especially weddings. You've got the Climatron at the Missouri Botanical Garden. For all the times I've been to the Botanical Garden, I've never been inside you haven't? the Climatron. Oh, my gosh. It's always beautiful. It gets as high as 84 degrees, uh, no cooler than 64 always wreaked havoc when we were doing stories because you'd have to wait a good 15 minutes to let the camera lens defog. Oh, really? Because as soon as you walked in, every, if you were wearing glasses, they're going to fog up. If you have a camera and you want to take pictures, it's going to take a minute. Are there butterflies in there? No. Well, no? there might be a couple, but it's not like the butterfly house, but you named another one. That's a great place to go visit as well. You know, that'd probably be a great place for Finn. We went to the butterfly place at the zoo, which, by the way, we were thinking about going to the zoo this weekend. Yeah. Because it's going to be nice and warm. It is. Well, warmer. Uh, We went to the butterfly place at the zoo, and he was not interested. He didn't like it. Mm -mm. Was he scared of the butterflies, or he just wasn't interested? No, I think it was probably nap time. Oh, well, that makes a difference. A couple of other things. I've never done one, but those calming float tanks are supposed to be. I did one. Good for you. Did you like it? It was very interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, There's several indoor pools around, if that's what you're looking for. Lots of spas. And then maybe even a couple of tropical restaurants you might want to try that has just a a different vibe, maybe a steel drum. Manja Brazil in uh, Benton Park is fantastic. I've been there. Somebody's birthday right around this time of year. Mission Taco is also fun, but... If you're looking for a way to kind of feel a little a taste spring or summer taste of the islands, a few ideas for you. Uh, I know that there are crazy conspiracy theories going on right now about Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl, and that this is just uh, another way for the NFL. This to is ridiculous. Blah blah blah. Um, number one, that's stupid, and number two. Remember that other conspiracy that was going around about the Super Bowl logo? Yeah, well, that got busted, didn't it? Predicting who was going to win. The mm-hmm. logo is purple and red, and everyone said the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens were going to get to the Super Bowl, and the NFL is rigged, yeah. and they've already got it set up. Well, that didn't happen Mm-mm. because you got red and more red. Lots of red. <laughs> Lots of red. Which, by the way, I thought it was interesting. Someone said, four years ago, the Niners played the Chiefs, and you had Donald Trump running for president against Joe Biden. Four years later, you have the oh. Niners Chiefs. And <laughs> that is interesting. Joe Biden, and then... So, uh, I don't remember, do both teams wear red? Because that seems like that would be confusing Offense and defense. What did they do last time? I'd like to see the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs wore their white. Yeah, one of them wears white. The Chiefs are the home team, so I guess they get to pick whether they want to do white wait, or, wait. Or, or color. I the Niners had a better record. 
Did they? Yeah, I don't yeah. know that there's a home team as they were far the one, as this goes. The one seed. Well, it's on a neutral field, but I think this just determines who Do calls they get the, to pi- okay. the coin flip. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, and the jerseys. Yeah, who cares if you get to call the coin flip? I mean, I'd rather call it than not. Right? What would you pick? Tails. Why? Uh, you know, <laughs> what, t- tails never fails. Right? What That's benefit? What say. Is that, I thought I read something that said 51% of the time it lands on heads. Mm-hmm. You have a tiny. No, that doesn't make any sense. I was going to say it's 51%. It's 50, 50. Okay, 51% over 49%. Does anyway. it depend on what it starts with? When you start it out on your thumb and flip it, does it matter? I, I didn't do the study. Okay. But <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what I heard. Somebody uh, said Chiefs here. wear red. Chiefs wore red last time. So that shows you how good my memory is. And the Niners were in white. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I hope the Chiefs are in red. But this whole thing about, oh, this is a conspiracy, the NFL is rigged, just ask Lamar Jackson today if he threw that game. <sighs> just ask any number. I mean, how many people are in the roster? 55 plus no. all the coaches plus a, no one is going to say, yeah, yeah, we'll take. We'll take back seat this year. Mm-mm. Oh, you want Taylor Swift to be at the Super Sure. We'll lose. Give me a break. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Not to mention all those people have to keep the secret. Oh. Back in the day on January 31st, 1940, the first Social Security check was issued. This is a trivia question. Ida Mae Fuller. Of Vermont. You've heard that name, right? Ida Ida May. Yeah, but she's a real person. She's a real person, and she received the first Social Security check. It was for $22.54. Wow. What could that buy in 1940? Probably a car. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) A house. 1961, Ham the Chimp became the first animal in the U.S. sent into space. Mm. And he didn't die. They got to the capsule in the ocean before it filled up with water. He lived his life out in a cushy, a cushy zoo. Wonder Years premiered on ABC in 1988. 1990, the first McDonald's opened in the Soviet Union. Wow. And locally, on this date, January 31st, 1929, it was 14 degrees out, and the Fox Theater had its grand opening. Wow. 5,700 people showed up and attended the building and all the ornamentation cost five million dollars why is it such a, a an east asian theme in there i don't know but the, the one in detroit looks the exact same mm-hmm, but it's so beautiful opened up obviously as a movie theater they mm-hmm. called them movie palaces back then and what was i looking at 1982 is when it reopened again yeah for stage shows i think my parents said that they used to watch movies there oh yeah mine did I know. Movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they can still show movies, right? They got a screen that comes down? Yes or no? I don't know if there's a screen there still. Who's who's listening right now? Who works at the Probably Fox? Probably Liz. Liz. Mm-hmm. Liz, can you still show a movie at the Fox if you wanted to? Much better now. I think they do sing-alongs occasionally. Like a Sound of Music yeah. sing-along. Or Grease sing-along. So yeah. they probably can still do that. Didn't, 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 didn't. 
right, with that, we are sliding into the 5 o'clock hour. we got the top five at five coming up. We've got a little entertainment to get to. And then we'll wrap this show up with some random. So I hope you'll hang out with us for another hour here on the Heidi Lau Show with Josh Gilbert on the Big 550 KTRS. And now for the top five at five news from around the room. Can I can I say something real quick? Of course. I have a correction to make. Oh. Uh, we were talking about Gene Carnahan. And Back at the start of the show. Yes, I know. And I meant to do this earlier. Uh, I think I had said that she served a six-year, a full term. Yeah, because she he didn't. was No, she didn't. Uh, he got elected posthumously. And she served for two years, and then they had a special election because I guess when you're appointed by the governor, you just kind of do two years, and then they have a special mm-hmm. election. And she was defeated uh, by Jim Talent, and the margin was only 22,000 votes. Wow. Which is crazy, 49.8% to 48.6%. So. I uh, just wanted to clear that up. I'm glad you did. This I got two sweet stories. I know that's shocking. This one is kind of impressive. I've seen people make wedding dresses out of everything. There was even a, a woman here in St. Louis that entered some contest and had to make a wedding dress out of toilet paper. Well, it was the, the Gone with the Wind. Didn't she make a big dress out of the drapes? Well, I think that was Carol Burnett, wasn't it? That- oh, well... <laughs> Kimber, that left the, the, the curtain rod, rod in. In, Yeah. <laughs> anyway, a crafty great-grandmother has pulled off her most impressive project yet, a hand-knitted wedding dress. Over the years, Shirley Ellicott, she's from England, 80 years old, has created everything from scarves and shawls to christening gowns and prom dresses using Knitted? her self-taught sewing, knitting, and crochet skills. Recently... She just got the itch to tackle an even bigger challenge. She wanted to do a wedding dress. She said, I've sewn a wedding dress before, but I've always wanted to knit one. In only three weeks, she turned that yarn into a chic 1930s-style white long-sleeved cotton dress featuring a mix of knit patterns, rose-shaped pearl effect buttons, and even a pretty wide train. She said it's amazing what two needles can do. Her passion for knitting began when she was just five years old. It remains her favorite pastime. I knit, I sew, I crochet, whatever I can do with my hands. But she said it was her husband that finally pushed her to tackle the bucket list project and said, you've been talking about it forever. Just do it. Next on her list of to-dos, she wants to crochet a jacket. Now... Did she knit this for someone in particular? No, it's going to go into a uh, museum, and then when somebody eventually purchases it, there'll be a donation made. I'm looking at the picture. It's pretty cool. And how long did it take her? Three weeks. Huh. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like a one of those afghans that we that my grandma used to knit. No. No, she obviously is very talented. Not to say that your grandmother wasn't, but right. this is next level. Yeah, it really is. This looks great. I could see someone actually wearing that to their wedding. Um have you been to one of these Walgreens or CVSs? They're saying they even have them at Target now where certain products are locked oh, up. Oh yeah. 
Bars have been locked up for a while. In the case, mm-hmm. what would you say, Heidi, are the products that are in there? The razors, that's been going on for years. Uh, cold medicine, certain uh, medicines that can make meth. I've noticed that um, laundry detergent yes. was locked up at the ones that I've been to. Are uh, baby formulas? Be, yep. Yeah. Here we go. Cosmetics, contraceptives, baby formula, um, the... Laundry detergent. Yeah. Obviously the razors, but that's been going on for a while. They say that it is really detrimental to the customer when you put these in. I agree. It says cases can reduce store sales by 15 to 25%. And one study found that 71% of shoppers are less likely to make an in-store purchase if confronted with theft deterrent measures. Well, that's not my reasoning. Mine is it's hard to find an employee to unlock the thing. And at that point, I'm just like, forget it. I'll go somewhere else and get it. They say the stuff behind the the case, newer brands suffer when customers can't pick it up and look at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people say, you know, I like to know what my deodorant smells like before I buy it. And someone says uh, they're a waste of time for employees working at already short-staffed retailers. Did you see that Schnucks has put certain uh, liquors in a case? Like the big top-shelf stuff? Well, Tito's is on there, and I didn't think that was top-shelf. I think it's the most stolen that they put in there. Now, I I know this is shocking. I was trying to get some Tito's. Okay. This was before we were like people over to watch football. It wasn't just for my own consumption. Anyway. Did you get the, the file out and saw off some of the bars? No, at first I was trying to contact a person and it took 15 minutes and I'm just sitting there. Then I realized you can do something with your phone. They send yep. a code and then open it up. And finally I did that. But at first I was like... That's where I'm headed with this. There's something called a freedom case. Uh, It might not be exactly what you encountered, but this one in particular is a touchscreen device that works like this. Customers use their cell phone number, retailers' apps or loyalty cards, or even facial recognition. Mm -hmm. I I, I think this is the exact thing. If you want to give Deerberg's your face. uh, No, Schnooks is the one. Schnooks had it. Um, The case monitors the shopper's behavior and reports anything suspicious to staff, but you punch in the number you work with the with the touch screen and it opens the door for you mm-hmm. then you grab your stuff out and i guess it locks back up and it locks back up um shoplifting they say is on the rise though some reports have been inflated they're locking up popular items with that are popular with thieves and this might be the way around it now did you have any issues with no not after i finally figured it out at first I was, and you, and you, and by the end of this whole thing, someone still hadn't shown up to help. They you? did at the very end. Okay, but I don't think I wanted to give them my phone number. That's what a lot of people and are so saying. That's why I first called for some assistance, and then I got fed up, and I'm like, "Well, you know." Someone said uh, entering their phone number felt invasive, um, but it also has a button on it that lets you call an employee. Uh, would you feel weird? I always go to the counter and order my lunch meat through the little app, and then I put my phone, and they text me when it's done. I don't have any issues with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the grocery store has saved my phone number. 
one person said, I'll almost never ask an employee to open up a case. I have social anxiety, and having to go find an employee may as well be standing on stage for me, oh, and I just won't yeah. do it. Uh, other people, when they took a poll, they say, I shop online to avoid the issue completely. When they encounter it, you walk up, your razors are locked up. You know, Forget it. Forget it. I'll just order it on Amazon. And some people, 32%, which is a lot when you think about it, especially when it's shoppers coming to your store, they choose stores based on whether they're locked up or not. Mm-hmm. So they won't even go, go to, to that store. store. So. Somebody said at Walmart yesterday, golf balls locked up. No one working in the area called the store and had them page someone so I could make a purchase. I mean, why should you have to work that hard See, to that, give the store money? Somebody said they live at the lake. Dollar General locks up socks and underwear. It's so golf balls, socks, underwear. But I'm I'm stunned that that texter went to all that trouble. Just to get golf balls, these stories are saying people just say forget it yeah. and go somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering how much it'll even stop. You know, it's not like they lock everything up in the store, right? Well, right? I think if they've got you on camera and then they've got your phone number. It... No, I mean it's locked up. I'll just go take the thing that's not locked up, right? What is locking up? You got to lock everything up. Well, I mean, if you need diapers and they're locked up. You can't just, oh, I'll just wrap yeah, like up the Tito's in is locked towels. up, but not the uh, gray <laughs> well, goose. Go. It's like, why know? isn't right. the gray goose getting That's stolen? That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. And then I thought, why didn't I just buy the gray goose? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. My story is about uh, movies that are out now. There's been a lot of mu- musicals that are out. Have you realized this? Yes. Uh, the advertising for these movies has not been very clear that they are, yeah. in fact, Musicals. musicals. A lot of people were confused about Mean Girls. Yeah, mm. that's on here. And they say that that is on purpose, that these movie studios want these movies to reach a wide as audience as possible. And they think that if they market it as a musical, then less people will show up. Did the color purple explicitly it say? It did not. Yeah. It's also it on here. Not in the trailer. Not not the one I saw. Uh, it, you can, you know, there's some music, the but all trailers has some music. You know, it's. What is going to be – is it a musical or is it just a movie that has some music in it? It, it ended up being very much a musical, right? Uh, it is definitely a musical, and it was a Broadway musical, mm-hmm. and so was Mean Girls. Well, so I was feel Mean like, Girls. I feel like it, if you're going to the movies, don't you do a little research as what you're going to watch? All right. I would like to think so, but, like, you know, uh, to be fair to the Mean Girls uh, watchers out there that might have been surprised, if you watch the trailer – you don't know. You don't know, and you know there's no. It's based on the original, which is not a musical. Uh, yeah. If you didn't, you know, catch it on Broadway or see the hundred thousand interviews or people talking about yeah, it or all I, the social media posts, it clearly affected some people. They went. They didn't realize it was a musical. Uh, Wonka is the other one. How about that one? Uh, there's a lot of music in that one. That's so funny because I asked. Uh, my brother-in-law, he, he said they went and saw well, – I said, how was it? And he said there was a lot more music in it than I thought. <laughs> yeah, but it, there was a lot more music in the last one. But that, in the original, he sings maybe a tune or two, you know, the – whatever. I can't remember the name of the song. Oompa. Yeah, the Oompa Loompa song. Uh, but, you know, it's not a musical. This one, people – everything I've heard says that this one is really a musical. a musical. I'm looking at the poster for The Color Purple that just came out. Only in theaters, Christmas Day, The Color Purple. Bold new take on the beloved classic says nothing about musical. Exactly. Hmm. So it, That's it, by design. This is by design, apparently, from the movie studios. They think, you know, 
whether they will like it or not, it'll get more people in. They won't realize it's a musical. Well, maybe, I was, they'll, maybe they'll like it. Maybe they just never gave it a try uh, because they just thought they don't like musicals. But they're also just not being very clear that it's a musical. I, I think Oppenheimer then should have put in small print at the bottom, need a physics degree to understand uh, it. No, but you don't. It'd be like if they, it'd be like if they actually mentioned that. It'd be like if Oppenheimer broke into song three times uh, during the film. I'm starting to think it should be a musical. Yeah. yeah that maybe. would be fun. Maybe <laughs> it up. Uh, wow. Um, not many people can say they're celebrating their 79th wedding anniversary. Wedding! However, when did they get married? Bob and Betty 15? Jensen, they're from Michigan. They're very much still in love after reaching this special milestone over the weekend. Sharing the secret to remaining happily married all these years, Betty says, we never go to bed mad at each other. Mm-hmm. We just never do. You always have to remember that life isn't like what it was when you were young, but there's such a strong love there. We hope that when we have to die... We can sit in these chairs and go together. She's 96 years old. She added that that doesn't necessarily, you know, or generally happen, but that would be nice. He, by the way, is 97. They tied the knot on a snowy day in January 1945 uh, in the town where they still reside, Stanwood, Michigan. After getting married, buying furniture and groceries for their house, They had $12 to their name. And what he said was, you know, $12 meant something. 70-something years ago, we never had a lot, but we had what we needed. He worked as a handyman throughout the years. They have three kids, seven grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and 20 great-great-grandchildren. Wow, that's, that's pretty wild. But get this. Bob actually built... Each one of his kids a three-bath home. He never charged them only for material cost. All three of them. The couple have also taken in those who they've come across in need of care, including a girl they raised from age 11 to 18, as well as a school teacher. And Betty says that's what makes you happy. It's doing something for somebody else. When you make somebody else happy, it makes you happy. And you were mentioning uh, their ages, which mm-hmm. married for seventy nine years. What's what's an eightieth anniversary? You know, I, you start running out of things. Diamond, platinum. You've hopefully you know? given whatever that is to each other through those yeah. seventy nine years. Gold plated diamonds. I don't know. Yeah. But when you were saying their current ages, I just assumed that he'd be older, which he is ninety six. Um, I am th- six months older than my wife. I wonder how much of the population is reversed, where the husband is younger than the wife. Mm. You know, I guess I, I always just assume that the man is always older than, than the woman, but that is probably, you know, what happens when you assume things. I would, I would be interested to see what percentage of the population in a male-female relationship where the woman's older than the man. My sister is. She is? Mm-hmm. By how much? A year. By a year? Okay. When did they get married? 20 years ago. So they were in their mid-20s? In their 20s, 20s yeah. Mid-20s? Hmm. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law is two years older than her husband. Okay. So, obviously, it's a thing. 
Here is something even dumber than that. Do share. An Ohio man was complaining about the rising costs of food over the past few years with inflation. And anybody who's been to the grocery store knows exactly what he's talking about. So he decided to eat discounted meals from Costco for a whole week. Okay. Now, we've talked many times about Costco's $1.50 hot dog soda combo. And what did the what did the CEO of Costco say, Connor? He said, uh, if you ever decide to raise the price of the hot dog and soda, you're fired. I think he he might have even threatened some violence. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. yeah, I think he said, "I'll kill you if you raise the price of the hot dog. I'll kill you." I think is is exactly what he said. So you can buy a hot dog and a soda for a dollar fifty from Costco. This guy Joey from Cleveland said that he was going to try it out and see see what happens. Mm-hmm. Remember Morgan Spurlock and Super Size Me? What about that couple we talked to who dug into trash bins Oh yeah, and ate all of the food that was thrown away just to kind of prove a point? For a whole year. Yeah. Um, at $1.50 a hot dog, he ate 29 meals. What is that? Seven days a week, three meals a day. What would that be? It'd be 21, right? Yeah. 21 meals. He 21 tw- meals. He had 29 hot dog meals, grand total of $43.50 to feed himself for the week. And he said, to my surprise, I never got sick of having hot dogs once. Now, I know that if you go to Sam's Club, I can't vouch for Costco because we don't go there, but they've got pizza. And it is surprisingly really good. Pizza. I've heard Whole Foods pizza is really good, too. Whole Foods pizza? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Sam's Pizza by the Slice, really good. And I got two slices one time because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll get two. After the first one, I was almost full. Wow. So, Are these like New York they're slices? They're like New York slices. Yeah, almost. they're big. They're big and they're and, hot uh, and they're the, fresh. I was just there and I was thinking to myself of doing, I should do exactly what this guy did because I got the slice and a soda and it was $2. Had you heard of this? No. Okay. No. Are you gonna, Do you want to try it? I $2 for a meal? I mean, you can't get... Can't get any cheaper. Yeah, but you you have to do it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or any meal mm-hmm. that you eat. Now, this guy says, much to his surprise, he lost 4.2 pounds on this diet of Costco hot dogs. <laughs> I don't know the nutritional value. Maybe he was drinking diet soda, too. I don't know. But he attributed that to the fact that he was walking a lot, mm-hmm. 10 miles a day. Oh, that's a whole lot. I know, I know. And... The fact that he could only eat at a Costco meant that his snacking between meals was, was completely cut out. That makes a difference. That does make a difference. After all of that, though, he did say at the end of the week he was looking forward to a home-cooked meal. But $1. fifty for a hot dog and a soda? And they're big hot dogs. Can you beat it? Yeah, you can. you can. I do wish there was a Sam's Club right here. I think I'd have... The pizza, the pizza for lunch. for lunch most days. Uh, I uh, think there's for two dollars. Yeah, I would do that. There was one over in St. Charles, just across the bridge. No, it's a little too far. Thank you. By I, the you way, want us to get you a no. slice of pepperoni. Uh, several people weighing in. My husband is eight years younger than me. I would not recommend it. Ah! <laughs> I'm what sixty. That? What does that mean? Eight year old male. 
wife is 67, but she says I act like an eight-year-old. How rude. Yeah, so she's considerably older you know, than him. My wife is three <laughs> years older than me. We have been married for 42 years. I'm 60. My wife is 64. Yeah. So see? And somebody else pointing out that the original Willy Wonka was a musical. It had some music in it. I think it more it, than would just Would it be some. a musical? I guess we have to into, pure imagination. that gets into the definition of what a musical is. I mean, he does break out in song yeah. in the middle of yeah. a sentence, and I to me that that's, is what a musical, musical is, okay. not just you know a so- the song moves the story forward. Well, how about the trailer had no song singing in it, so maybe they thought it would yeah. be different. I don't know. Maybe. Time to talk a little entertainment news. Super Bowl ads, either teased or released so far this week, feature Edie Falco, Kate McKinnon, and Pete Davidson, and the Beckhams. Now, Edie Falco did an anti-dairy ad for PETA. I can't believe they pay that much money. What is it, is $7 million it, for 30 seconds? Is it funny? <laughs> is it, I haven't is watched it. Sopranos it. themed? No. Nurse Jackie? Kate McKenna and Pete Davidson appear in a Hellman's Mayonnaise ad, and it pokes fun at Pete's dating. Yeah, didn't it say that Pete was dating a cat or something? Mm-hmm. I don't want to look too far into it. Yeah. David and Victoria Beckham are... Fairly funny and a teaser for their Uber Eats ad. Didn't Pete do a Hellman's ad last year? I think so. He's been connected to that. I can't remember what it was about. Maybe though. he's a brand ambassador for mm. Hellman's. For Hellman's. <laughs> Maybe. A list of popular artists who've never won a Grammy includes the Beach Boys, Guns N' Roses, Journey, Diana Ross, which never? is shocking to me. Katy Perry is on the list, and so it's Queen. Yeah. That's that's Diana Ross. Yeah. Oh. Kind of crazy. Demi Moore admits she didn't like the Brat Pack moniker. She said, for me, I didn't love it being thought of as a brat because I thought it kind of diminished us as professionals, which I get. I always wondered what they thought about that or if they liked it because it was kind of a play on, you know, I've heard Rat other people. Yeah, I've heard other people say we didn't care for it because it makes us sound like brats. But mm-hmm. they're young. They are young, and it's a play off of Rat Pack. It almost makes too much sense, right? You know, a little too easy. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Moss, you know her from Mad Men and Handmaid's Tale, expecting her first child. Oh, which is kind of funny because I think she was on with Jimmy Kimmel. And he said, either you're really into method acting or... You're pregnant. (laughs) And she confirmed that, yes, indeed she was. So when I saw that come over, for some reason I thought of the actress from The Matrix. I don't know who that is. Carrie Ann Moss. Oh. And I just realized I was thinking of the wrong person the whole time. Yeah. When Brian Cranston first met James Corden, they were at a restaurant and... Brian mistook him for a waiter. Ouch. And considering how much James Corden is rude to waiters. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what it's been. Yeah. Finally, you know. Terry Hatcher got kicked off a dating app because they thought it was a phony. It was fake. Yeah. Which I can see. Wow. I'm surprised she went to a dating <clears throat> app. Did she say of, what app she's yeah, on? Yeah. <laughs> Huey Lewis is opening up about his upcoming Broadway show. He exclusively revealed to People 
that the heart of rock and roll, which opens April 22nd, has been basically his salvation following his hearing loss. He said, we're very excited. We've been working on this for a long time. I lost my hearing seven years ago. Whoa. So I can't sing or perform, but I can do this, and it's been a salvation for me personally. It's been really gratifying. Now, did he st- I don't know the, the full extent of the story. I was under the impression he had some bad tinnitus or... He just couldn't hear well enough to perform. No, I think he's really lost. Lost all of it. I don't know about all of it, but I think he's had severe hearing loss. A documentary about Celine Dion's life and career and then battle with stiff person syndrome is coming to Prime Video later this year. I think that will be interesting. And finally, some celebrities celebrating a birthday today. Justin Timberlake. JT. He's 43. Kerry Washington is 47. Portia DeRozzi is 51, and Minnie Driver is 54. That's your evening entertainment report here on the Big 550 KTRS. You know what? Annie Lennox should have been part of We Are the World. She was the 80s. I see Arrhythmics. Um, somebody said watch the documentary on We Are the World. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, Heidi gave away the whole plot. I did not. I did not. Did they say why Dan Aykroyd was there? I'm, they didn't say why. I'm assuming because it was Blues Brothers at mm. that time, right? Right, but Blues Brothers 2000, was he in the original? He was in the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, I mentioned from God. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, another celebrity cookbook is on the way, and I know you weren't going to grab it. Chuck E. Cheese and Friends Party Cookbook arrives in March. Didn't we ask not too long ago if the pizza was ever any good? Right. It's 128 pages. What? <laughs> now, I guess it features they have, do they the characters. Have other things than pizza there? I think they had, like, meatballs. Oh, yeah. Is like that right? Swedish meatballs. Oh, I don't like Swedish meatballs. It's in the brown sauce. The gravy. Right? Yeah, the gravy. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. I liked it when I was a kid. Well, but of I cannot. Course. I cannot comment on how good the actual pizza is. I think yeah. I was an adult and went to someone's kid's birthday and I tried it. And, and it wasn't and that it great. Was not good. Pizza when you're eight is, you know, any pizza's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're 28, it's not that great. You get a little more I think uh, it, picky It's about always it. good, yeah. right? Like, That's well, what they say. It's, it's no good. Sam's Club pizza. <laughs> <laughs> As we uh, approach a new month tomorrow, February, looking back at uh, January of 2024, and Google Trends put out a list of the top who, what, when, where, and why questions that we hear in the great yeah. states like like Googled. this one, where has Minnie Driver been? Yeah, that's what you just Googled. I just Googled that. Here's the top searches for each one. Why did Justin and Jessica split? That's Justin Timberlake and Jessica Bill. They but briefly they, they briefly stopped dating back in 2011. Rumors swirled. They might split up again after 10 years of marriage, but she was with him at SNL last weekend. Oh, there you go. Remember when he was seen on that balcony in New Orleans? He was holding hands with, with somebody. Man. co-star or whatever. But what movie was that? I don't remember them touting some movie with him. I don't know if it ever came out. Remember he was in some movie with um, 
No Strings Attached or something. He's been in a couple movies. It was like a rom-com with Mila yeah. Kunis, maybe. Mm-hmm. Where is Bill Belichick going? Of course, he in New England yeah. parted ways What'd with Google him. What Google say? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. No word yet on where he's headed. When is Martin Luther King's birthday? It's always the third Monday of January is when we celebrate Martin Luther King Day this year. That also happened to be his birthday, January 15th. Oh, it did? Mm-hmm. That's cool. This is funny, kind of to your uh, mini driver, what happened to Martin Lawrence? He was in that throwback segment at the Emmys, and fans were worried after he seemed to slur a bit. He had some health issues in the past, but people in his camp said he's fine and recently wrapped Bad Boys 4 with Will Smith, which oh, comes out yeah. this summer. He was in Bad Boys. The They just did one a couple years you ago, know, too. And, and I am guilty of this one. Because I've been trying to figure out who's going to win the Oscar. Who won Golden Globes 2024? They were January 7th. Lots of people won awards, but the big winner this year was Oppenheimer. Hmm. Just a a few of those. And as far as some uh, great St. Louis news, did you see this Swedish medical device firm is relocating its U.S. headquarters from Boston to... St. Louis. Oh. Which is a, a pretty big deal. We talked yesterday to Rhonda Ham Niebrigge about, you know, this new uh, airport that we won't see for probably eight, ten years, but the economic impact that that could have on our region. And here's another piece of good news to celebrate when it comes. So, so you think we're going to get direct flights to Sweden now? Well, I'm just thinking it's good to. You know, have a big company relocate its headquarters from a bigger city, Boston. Instead of subtraction. Exactly. There's direct flights to Frankfurt, right? Isn't that the one direct now? I feel like Bayer got that. Done. And they bought Monsanto. Well, here you go. They got that done. Yeah, maybe we'll get the. uh, Direct flights to Stockholm. I'm sure it's great in the summer. You don't like it in the winter? <laughs> I don't. I'll wait. It's a little I'll snow. Wait. You don't Let have it the out a little bit. Yeah. I guess we didn't do the math right because we got a lot more time here at the end of the show before randoms. So let me tell you this. Okay. Uh, a little sports before the sports guys take over. Steph Curry, NBA all-time three-point leader, Steph Curry, and... WNBA single-season three-point record holder Sabrina Ionescu will have a three-point contest at All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis on February 17th. That'll be fun. They will each use their own ball mm-hmm. in their own three-point line. Now, I don't think I realized that the three-point line for it's the women's different. game was different, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much different it is. Uh, you tell me about the women's ball. It's slightly smaller. Slightly smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Um, but they're going to shoot it out, and I don't know who to take. You know, you got the best of all time from the NBA and the probably going to end up when she's at the end of her career, the best of all time in the WNBA. So mark your calendars. for. Would it be the battle of the sexes? I don't know. Remember, was it Bobby Riggs? Yeah. Billie Jean King? It's a good movie, too. Is it? I still haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, Steve Carell and uh, Emma... Stone. Mm-hmm. LeBron James has been in the NBA for so long. He joined the league right out of high school at 18. He's 39 years old now. 
He's been in the league so long that he's played against 10 different father-son duos. Oh, that's pretty cool. Isn't that wild? Probably whooped them all. Uh, Gary Robinson, or Gary Payton, and Gary Payton Jr. is one of the most recent ones. Most everybody, uh, the kids, are still in the league. But 10, Juwan Howard and Jet Howard. Okay. 10 different uh, father-son duos. LeBron has been alive for 14,000 days, and he's spent more than half of them in the NBA. Gosh, that's kind of crazy when you put it in those numbers. And from that random to the official randoms. All right. Let's wrap this show up with those official randoms. Mars may be the red planet, but sunsets there are blue. Oh, that's kind of cool. Don't you think it'd be interesting to live a day on Mars? I do think that would be cool. If you weren't going to choke on lack lack of oxygen. Chicago's population peaked in 1950 when there were 3.6 million people living in the city. Now it's down to 2.7 million, according Mm. to the latest census. People just moving out to the suburbs? I guess. I guess. They're, you know, are we shrinking regionally or just from the city? Mm. Chicago might be having the same problems. None of the guys in the R&B group Tony, Tony, Tony were actually named Tony. They weren't? Nope. Uh, I know one, Raphael Sadiq was in Tony, Tony, Tony. Connor's going to look up the other two Did guys. they have solo careers as well? Raphael Sadiq did. Okay. And, but I don't know about the other two guys. Connor, what are the other two guys' names? There was Dwayne Wiggins, mm-hmm. which is his brother, and their cousin, Timothy Riley. So it's two brothers and a cousin. Okay. None of which were named. Tony. And nine former presidents didn't have college degrees. George Washington, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Abraham Lincoln did not have a college degree, Andrew Johnson, Grover Cleveland, and Harry Truman. Didn't have a college degree? Did not have a college degree. Did he go to a teacher's college? I don't remember. Harry Truman, no college degree. All right. Well, those are some pretty good randoms. And with that, we say thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you have a fantastic night. And I also hope you meet us right back here starting at 3 o'clock. And until then, see if you can put a smile on somebody's face. Whatever gets you through the